Hey everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Small Town Nerdcast. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm a little more excited because I have finally, finally gotten plenty of sleep. So, yeah, we're back in the office, and we are back to um, our regular programming. Um, I mean, we did we were the last episode, but even more so this episode. <laughs> um, I don't think I really have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, but we do have some comic books and some interesting news that I had to share because of the wow factor actually you know let's get into some nifty nerd news first before we get into the comic book that i was going to talk about this week for the podcast but i was trolling reddit which i love to do and just you know lurk around look at things and i came across a news article uh talking about disney and not like a movie or anything like that but excuse me disney just acquired a patent or yeah i guess it's a patent for a new type of roller coaster and you know disney is innovative uh, to say the least they've they've come up with really interesting rides very multi-purpose multi-functional type rides you know like uh, what is it the the tower of terror actually i don't even know if it's still called that anymore but you know it's like a a dungeon drop ride but before you get to the dungeon drop part of it, like you're in a cart that actually moves forward and backwards. So it's very like if you're if you're really thinking about it, like, oh, I'm moving forward and backward and all of a sudden now I'm going up and down and flying around like that. You know, you don't think about the intricacies of building that cart, building the housing for that cart so you can make it go up and down really fast and like how that all works. But I digress from that and talk more about this patent that they just uh, applied for or was was granted and it's for a roller coaster that is able to jump off the tracks and come back onto the tracks and the diagram for it looks just as crazy as this sounds and i don't mean like like the Tower of Terror type cart goes from one set of tracks through a little area and into the box set of track type thing. I I mean in the most literal sense that they have gotten a patent for a coaster, a cart that can fly off of one, like jump, ramp off of one set of tracks and then land, hopefully safely, onto another set of tracks. It is bonkers I, I don't even know like some people are saying like if this is possible and if disney's figured out the way to do it this will be the most innovative uh like theme park ride thing ever no this sounds final destination shit like no <laughs> i don't mm. i mean i'm trying to picture a way where this is even possible where disney can have a roller coaster, or just anyone can have some type of coaster, you know, that is attached to track, you know, typically they have like three to four wheels or some type of 
wheel device to hold you in, like, how would the momentum, and then, like, you're hoping that there's no other acting forces to wiggle the track in any direction, but, like, man, I'm really trying to figure out how this works. Maybe, like, the log ride? You know, as a way, because while there's not really a track for the, like the water log ride, it still follows a type of chute, which is a track. Maybe that's what they plan on doing with the roller coaster is instead of a a traditional track like we're used to with coasters, maybe it's like in a chute, like a tube, and the wheels are all around the outside of the coaster. So it's like you're in a bullet train or something like that. And so... Maybe that way you're able to build up enough force to fly straight. And then, you know, you have a very wide funnel opening that will catch said train, bullet train, coaster, wheel, centipede, death machine. And then, you know, as the funnel gets smaller, it writes itself or whatever. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with a fathomable way for this to happen. But all I see is death. But you know what? I hope Disney innovates. I hope Disney comes out with a safe way because I would love to see this. I, I don't think I want to ride it. There are a lot of things now in my older age I'm starting to realize I want no part of because I have a mortgage and a 401k and a family and an Xbox. <laughs> like, and I love reading comics, and I don't want to die right now. I want to wait until I hate everything and then die, preferably when I'm very much older. In fact, I don't want to hate. I just, I, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Now I'm getting sad and depressed, and that's what it's like living in this small town. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah, that's what's been going on, and that's what's giving me my existential crisis for the week, but also piquing my interest. Um Moving on from that bit of nifty nerd news, we'll, we will get into some comic book news, uh, or not even news, sorry, just comic book reviews. I'm still reading um, Nick Spencer's run of The Amazing Spider-Man, which was the 2018 volumes of The Amazing Spider-Man, and last episode we talked, I think, all the way up to... Uh, issue seven i i can't even really remember exactly <laughs> one second i need to uh text my wife and i'm back sorry she was asking me about rj and picking him up from school because she's off getting a tattoo right now and that's that's just lovely for her no actually it is i enjoy when she gets tattoos because she usually gets good stuff she doesn't I, like when I think about Casey getting her tattoos, she's never gotten anything where I've looked at it and been like, ugh, or like, why? Like, why are you getting that, you know? Because tattoos are not cheap. They they are pricey. They cost money, and especially the good ones cost even more. So I'm happy that she at least takes time and crafts with the tattoo expert a good tattoo, or at least... A, a fine version of a tattoo to place on her body. So I am I am happy about that. Anyway, moving on to uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2018. Um, Nick Spencer, I think we talked 
up into issue seven, um, things that were happening. So big picture stuff, if you don't remember, because you don't read comics or you don't follow along with the uh, MCU movies, um, Peter Parker, at one point, everyone knew that he was Spider-Man. In the comics, in the movies, like this has happened. In the comics, it was for different reasons. Actually, no, it was, it was through Civil War, I believe, is when he reveals his identity to the world. But, and so the same in the movie. Well, no, in the movies is different. It happens in his uh, Far From Home movie. And, yeah, Mysterio is the one. Okay, anyway. So, due to things that happened with that, uh, Peter Parker eventually makes a... I could have swore, and maybe the comics retcon this or what, but in the comic books, I thought he made a deal with Mephisto that everyone would forget who he is so that he could go back to being anonymous Spider-Man and Peter Parker, two separate lives. But the the comic book that I'm reading now by Nick Spencer says that he went to Doctor Strange to do this. And maybe I'm mixing up two different stories uh, in the comics. Maybe... Or maybe he makes a deal with Mephisto to save Aunt May, and then things happen. I, like, I really can't remember, and this happened so long ago. But moral of the story was, Peter Parker made everyone forget that he was Spider-Man, so that way he could, you know, live peacefully as Peter Parker. Because, you know, the whole tangle of webs <laughs> that he had built with everyone's different relationships and putting them in a lot of more danger and drama and trouble because of him being Spider-Man. He was finally, you know, over it. He didn't want that to happen anymore. So everyone forgot who he was, except now that he's, you know, being able to tell a select few people. And, you know, it's kind of like a great way... You know, I mean, that's what we, that's what I called it earlier, a retcon, you know, to take all that back and then either retell old stories or, you know, put a new spin on these old stories for a new generation. And that's pretty much what they do. So that's kind of like overall big picture of what's what's been going on leading into this. And I mean, we've talked about like other things that have happened and like that's the thing about comic books, especially nowadays. They reference so many things that have happened in past comic books, but we're talking Amazing Spider-Man here, so there have been comics since, like, the 60s, <laughs> so that's a, that's a lot of a story there to cover, but yeah, so all that has been happening, whatever. I was just trying to catch you up real quickly, because there are some points in this run uh, leading up to, let's see, issue 8 through issue... Uh, 16 is where I'm cutting this off because I want to save the next set of stories for a new pod or a different pot a different episode, not a different podcast, but a different episode. Um, and I'll tell you why after we talk about a little bit of this. So with no one really knowing who Peter Parker is and him just trying to get back to his life. Uh, a normal life, uh, things, of course, do not always go as planned. He's lost his company that he built, Parker Industries. Well, Dr. Octopus built in his name, uh, Parker Industries. He's lost his credibility when they found out that he, quote-unquote, plagiarized his doctoral thesis, which it was plagiarized because it was really done when Doc Ock had his body, and so the computer 
said, hey, this is Doc Ock's work, not Peter Parker's work, which is true, yes, but it happened in Peter Parker's body, so that like really is a crazy implication of what this machine is capable of. Anywho, but the one thing that he does have, he has his Aunt May. Well, actually, Aunt May was really disappointed in him because of the whole doctoral thesis thing. Um, but he has, um, you know, he has his health. <laughs> um, he has MJ, who he was like issue number one. Like they get back together in this um, in this series in the 2018 run. But he also has J. Jonah Jameson, which. I know. If anyone knows Peter Parker, you know that him and Jay do not get along. They, um, Jameson has been Spider-Man's like arch nemesis, uh, social <laughs> um, social media anti presence. Like he has always been on the news, on the radio, on the internet, whatever. You know, as the times jump, that J. Jonah Jameson has always been against. That menace, that wall crawler, that horrible, horrible anti-hero, or whatever, he, whatever he believes Spider-Man really is, despite saving the day all the time. And, and the reason is because you know Parker has very bad luck, and sometimes bad things happen while he's trying to do the good, the good and right thing. Um, but in a recent issue of the Spectacular Spider-Man, which was, uh, it's still a Spider-Man story and it's canon, but it usually falls around smaller scale stories and things like that. And this was in Chip Zdarsky's run of it, which was happening around the same time or maybe right before Nick Spencer's run. I can't really remember. I would have to go. Actually, I, I collected the physical copies of uh, Chip Zdarsky's run, so I can take a look at that. But in that run, Peter Parker finally reveals his identity to J. Jonah Jameson, which Jonah, and it's actually a really good touching moment for this when it happens because you you learn a lot about the things that Jonah did for Peter Parker because he knew that he lost his Uncle Ben. And like it, it was like this really touching moment in a way. Uh, and like they kind of peel back one layer of the onion of J. Jonah Jameson, the show, like, he was a very caring guy, you know, one, he, he never sold any of his, his guys out, you know, like, when villains would come into the office looking for the guy who takes pictures of Spider-Man or other types of reporters, like, Jay would stand up to them, he went, like, he might not be the friendliest man in the neighborhood, but he does, like, what, he has a code, you know, he's very ethical, he's, very he takes responsibility for those type of things which is great you know um and so it was a really nice story and but now it's causing a different type of problem for peter and spider-man as a whole because now instead of having j jonah jameson as his normal hate on spider-man self he is now very loving on spider-man and like batting for him and being like an uber fan of spider-man and it's kind of cringy like this is like hashtag ew <laughs> but it's kind of funny and it causes a really interesting dynamic between the two um characters uh there's another moment in this span of comics which i really love and it has to do with black cat um if you know stuff about spider-man and black cat and their history together you know they black cat is a cat burglar he <laughs> hence the name um and her and Spider-Man 
have had like this friendly, not rivalry, but a back and forth, you know, because she is a, a villain, a, a crook, a, a thief, and he is a do-gooder. But she also has like a code. She has a moral compass where, you know, she won't really do bad things. And she usually steals from rich, mostly bad people. And so, like, eventually a relationship buds between them in the past. And eventually, at one point, things get very um, serious between the two. Enough so in this run where they allude to uh, Felicia thought that she was going to get married to Peter Parker. And, like, it's like this really big thing uh, that happened. And, of course, we like, I knew that... Felicia and Peter had a relationship and that they were in love at a point and that was definitely something very weird and not normal for her so it was it was a big trust thing it was a big issue for her you know and then of course those events happen where everyone forgets Peter Parker's Spider-Man and then Doc Ock gets in Spider-Man's body and really wrongs the black cat um he like decks her straight in the face and sends her on this spiraling whirlwind of crime and corruption and eventually she's able to pull herself out of it so that's kind of like her backstory coming into this uh, series and she talks about it you know uh, her and spider-man end up teaming up and maybe not fully putting the past behind them but definitely getting very close where she really opens up to him and it starts talking to him because she has felt this weird emptiness this this feeling of Knowing that something is wrong, but not being able to tell exactly what it is. And she she's looking at Spider-Man and she's like pretty much pouring her heart out here to him like that, you know, that she's not really upset with him anymore. And she's just she's she's I forget how she actually puts it, but, you know, she she's feeling this longingness towards him and she can't figure out why it is and that leads peter to bring her back into the fray of knowing that he is spider-man and it's like this really touching moment between the two and as much as and it's funny because you know as much as spider-man has always had mj and always been mj's always been present i am not the biggest fan of spider-man and mj and especially in this run for whatever reason um i just I don't feel it, man. Like, I don't feel their relationship at all. It felt forced to me because it literally just felt like they just got together at the beginning of this run. And I can't remember what happens in the previous run to maybe help that, like, just crassness of them getting back together. But in this run, I don't feel like Peter should be with MJ. Like, I feel like they can, they should still be friends, but not in relationship uh, because... I really love this dynamic of Felicia and Peter. Like this, Black Cat and Peter, I love this. You know, maybe I love the tragic romance or the tragic villain wanting to be a hero but still having this past that she keeps falling back into and trying to fight against. I love that. And I really like their just... I like their presence around each other. I love their interactions with each other. It's a lot of fun, and I think Peter Parker deserves better than MJ. Just saying. <laughs> but it's such a great moment. It's such a beautiful moment. 
And it's a genuine moment. It's not some scam that Black Hat's doing on Peter. It is a genuine moment. But this also leads to new problems for Felicia moving forward, where now all these repressed memories that were magically hidden from her are starting to come back and she's starting to remember a bunch of things which is not only bringing some joy but also a lot of pain because she's remembering the great times that she's had with Peter along with some of the bad times and so it's it's definitely throwing her into a weird state of mind and also just a weird feeling and I love where this is going with that and I I really want this to be a romance comic where they get back together and but that's not going to happen because the first thing that peter does after telling uh, felicia his identity he goes back to mj confesses to mj like hey i decided to tell black cat who i really am and there's a good moment between them where she doesn't get upset she doesn't get jealous like she completely understands and she's happy because she understands that peter is happy now that one knotted string of fate of destiny has been undone and now is perfectly like or it makes more sense now like things are going to work out better because of felicia knowing who peter parker is and or who spider-man is and so i love that moment in this in this series and i love just that little dynamic um moving on behind the scenes in which is going to be building up to the first event in the spider-man comic so you know like a story arc that has a very deep meaning and a lot of these little side stories that have been happening in these 18 issues are these 16 issues prior to the star yeah it's 16 because there's like a 16.1 it's weird anyway so like a lot of little things have been happening in this comic book to build to the spider-man event that we're going to talk about soon which is called hunted and it revolves around craven the hunter so you've seen these little moments in the comics where villains are getting kidnapped or taken by two other villains, uh, Taskmaster and Black Ant, I believe is his name. So, and you know, Black Ant is like Ant-Man, except evil version. And not because of the name, it's just, I don't know why he went. I guess, you know, there's red ants and there's black ants, and I, I don't know why he chose that name. It's I'm not the guy who writes the books, okay? <laughs> I don't come up with the the actor or the creator. I don't come up with the characters. I just talk about them. And um, so Task Taskmaster and Black Ant are kidnapping heroes. Or I'm sorry, kidnapping villains. But you're starting to notice a theme with the villains that they are kidnapping. And all these villains, one center around Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, his rogues gallery, but also they all typically are a animal themed type villain so the vulture scorpion uh they try to capture the lizard doc connors at one point but spider-man's able to save the day so there is a theme going on and you find out that these two are working for craven the hunter and craven the hunter is a very popular um, spider-man villain one that i don't know too much about other than he is a hunter and his name is craven and he has the most insane manly chest hair that i have ever seen on a character ever before um but things have not been going well for craven the hunter in fact he had died <laughs> but he ends up getting back brought 
brought back to life through, I don't know, voodoo magic, some type of, something. He comes back to life. Um, and in doing so, he kind of sees a new thing of being. He looks at the world and realizes that people are destroying everything that's great about it. And he wants to do something to maybe help people see like he wants to make people better that's not true but in his weird corrupt mind he looks at these villains who are taking on animal themes and wearing these animal being totems for these animals so to speak and seeing that they don't truly understand what it means to be the totem for the animals that they are portraying and so he decides he's going to teach them a lesson. And how he's going to do that? He is going to enlist the help of very rich, white, bored people who like to hunt things. And instead of hunting animals in Africa and stuff like that, he's going to make them hunt villains. And so that's where all this builds up to. And one storyline uh, through this where uh, Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson end up being trapped together in a arcade death trap. And arcade is another villain. Um, after all that, after the dust settles from that little story, uh, Arcade is visited by Craven the Hunter, and they devised this basically little murder arena to bring in these supervillains, these animal-themed supervillains, to uh, be housed in and to have, you know, r- rich white men hunt them. <laughs> like, that's where this is going, people. And it, it's... It's interesting, you know, like I'm finding this interesting. And Peter, while he still does not know what is actually happening, only we, the audience, know exactly what's happening. Um, Taskmaster and Black Ant actually capture Billy Connors, which is Doc Connors, the lizard's son, who, fun story, and what always seems to happen in a Spider Man book, his family all died, and he was able to bring them back to life using part of the lizard serum and I guess clones of their body to bring them back. But now they're, you know, they're not mutants, but they are humanoid lizard people. So they're not full lizards like Doc Connors. They are very human-esque, but lizard reptilian skin. So basically they were like, uh, like I look at his wife in this comic and I'm like, oh, they just wanted to make a sexy lizard is all they wanted to do because that's exactly what they did with her. And then they have teenage boy lizard who he just wants to see his friends and doesn't want to be trapped. And so eventually he runs away from home to go try to see his friends. Of course, what happens when friends who haven't seen you in a long time see you for the first time and now, oh, you're a lizard boy? They freak out. Taskmaster and uh, Black Ant show up because of course they do. They kidnap Billy Connors because hey he's a uh he's an animal themed possible villain I don't know he's a boy we're very we're just bad guys this is very ambiguous what we're doing anyway we just want to get paid and go party so they kidnap him and lock him in a cage and Black Cat who is following a lead that she was given by a hammerhead to find uh the owl who was another villain uh the king uh, owl Ali Kingsley? I can't remember his fucking name. Leland Owsley or something like that. Something weird like that. But he is the Owl, which is a villain. A Spider-Man villain, I think. I don't I can't even remember exactly. Maybe he's a Daredevil villain. Who knows? Um So Black Cat's falling up in a lead to try to rescue the Owl. Turns out it was all a setup, so now she gets captured. But she remembers that she has an old spider track tracker on her that has a special ability that is not to keep track of her but it is something that in the event that she's in trouble or needs help 
it will be it, she can press it and it will go straight to Peter Parker with her coordinates and a small message so that way he can quickly get to her to save her. So cut to Peter Parker receiving this little spider tracker message from Black Hat saying that she found Billy Connors, something's going on with Taskmaster and Black Ant and she knows what's going on, but she needs his help right right away so she can stop this. And that's what leads us into um what will be issue 16 for the Amazing Spider-Man 2018 run and the event of Hunted. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Oh, a huge thing I forgot with Craven the Hunter, like sad thing. So Craven lost like his entire family and decided that he wanted to make a new one. And so he, I, I can't, I think it's the High Evolutionary, which is another villain that I've never heard of. And he gets the High Evolutionary to clone a bunch of mini Craven the Hunters and um, as babies. And then they grow up, like quickly grow up. So it's not like, oh yeah, they're babies, I'm taking care of them. They like, you know, super soldier type shit, grow really fast. He sends all his boys out into the wild to go hunt. And only one of them returns. And the one that returns is the one that decided instead of hunting animals, I would hunt all of my clone Craven the Hunter brothers and bring back their heads, <laughs> which is what he does. He kills all the other clones. So he's the supreme clone and Craven cannot be any more proud of his son. And so that's another part of this storyline and i don't know where that's gonna go we will see i'm excited to get into um the hunted storyline because i think this will be a lot of fun i think black cat and uh spider-man are gonna have a pretty awesome team up and i'm curious to see what happens to craven the hunter because we have craven and now we have this young clone clone version of craven is this Obviously, one of them is probably going to die by the end of this story. And I mean of the Cravens, not of Black Cat and Spider-Man. So I'm curious, will they go with young Craven the Hunter or will they keep with the older Craven the Hunter? We will see. Um, but that's been what's going on uh, with me reading comic books. And I've really enjoyed this run. I will say the artwork in some of these issues has not been my favorite. Um... I think one of my favorite Spider-Man artists, and I think he's coming back for the Hunted series, uh, is Ryan Stegman. And Ryan Stegman did a lot of the artwork for uh, the beginning of the Superior Spider-Man. And that's I, maybe that's why I have a bias towards his version of Spider-Man. Um, you have Humberto Ramos, who has done a lot of good work, but Ramos's artwork is very chaotic. And his panel work is very chaotic. But it, it really lends itself well to Spider-Man. Um, Ryan Otley, I like his work here because it's very cartoony. And I'm a big fan of Invincible. But at sometimes it does seem very plain. They've brought in some other artists who have had some very interesting interpretations of the characters. That I just, to me, have not hit as well as like Ryan Stegman, as Humberto Ramos. Like when I picture Spider-Man and those those characters, those are the two artists I typically gravitate towards and how I view those characters. Because I, I like the age they depict these characters as and I like the the like the facial expressions and just all that stuff. And then there's some other uh, Spider-Man artists that I'm a big fan of and I've loved their work, but this run right now art-wise has kind of been lackluster for me. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Hunted series because 
if I'm not mistaken, have I read this one yet? Uh, I cannot remember uh, where it starts. Maybe it's 17. Oh, maybe I'm in issue 17 now. Anyway, so I'm excited to see who the artist is for Haunted. I think it's Ryan Stegman, but I could be wrong. So anyway, I have been enjoying the story, though, and I'm getting more and more excited as it goes on. It was kind of slow at first, you know, with all these little side things happening, but that's how like main Spider-Man has always worked. And, and my understanding of reading the comic is you get like these side story kind of buildups with little hints, little specks of are like little crumbs hidden throughout these little stories. And if you're really paying attention and not even that hard, because I mean, let's face it, these are written for kids too. So as long as you're looking at the comic book that you're reading, you will see these crumbs and realize what they are building towards. So it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's making me remember what I love so much about reading comic books all over again. And I can't wait to get into the hunted storyline. But before we get into that, I was talking to one of my friends from the Colt 45 podcast, Random Randy Savage. Um, Randy put, uh, tagged me in a post on Twitter about... Uh, his favorite Hulk uh, comic book run, and let me see, uh, let me pull that up for you. And well, he tagged me in that. Like, what is your favorite Hulk comic book run? Well, spoiler alert: I actually don't read Hulk comics. I, I was never a huge fan of the Hulk, like, and not in a bad way, but I like I was just never really reading the Hulk, you know. Um, but when he was talking about his favorite Hulk story. It was from the House of M storyline, The Incredible Hulk, from there, which I kind of has me intrigued. So I know about the House of M event, and that's a huge Marvel event. That's not just like a Hulk event. In the House of M, basically mutants are the norm, and non-mutants are not the norm. <laughs> and so I, I'm pretty sure in it, like, Magneto and such become like not rulers of the earth, but are very prominent figures. And it's a very interesting thing. And I could be really glossing over what that storyline is about. I think that was the one that really led to, um, is it the, no, cause that was the no more mutants thing with Scarlet Witch. But I think at the other end of that, she's like no more humans. And so like humans is not the norm anymore. So, and I think that's right. I could be wrong, but um, it really got me thinking about that storyline and how interesting that version of a Hulk would be. And I was trying to think of what I know about the Hulk and trying to figure out what storyline I wanted to read. And I got to be honest, I cannot figure anything out. I know there's like Planet Hulk, World War Hulk. There's... Um, smart hulk i just i don't know um i so i did lie i i realized i have read a hulk storyline but it's kind of like a, a limited series graphic novel and that was uh hulk gray so you know you had like spider-man blue daredevil yellow captain america white and there's hulk gray and i remember reading that one it's 
what is it? Uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, I believe, are the creators of these graphic novel series. Um, I really liked it. I don't remember too much about it. I know in my last podcast that I did, not like last episode, but the podcast series that I did, um, I did talk about all these books. And I think I, I don't know if I have the physical copy of this or not. I think I don't. I think I was reading it electronically. But I'm going to go look through some Hulk storylines and try to see which ones really capture my imagination and pick one. I want to pick one that I like and read it and talk about it. So I think that's what we'll do for next week's episode is talk about a Hulk storyline. And it lets me also read a bit more of the Spider-Man Hunted to prepare a review for that for you guys. So I'm excited for where... The episode's going to go. Hopefully you guys are too. I've realized I've been talking for a very long time this episode because I was very excited about the comic books that I was reading this past week. Um, I can't remember if I recorded an episode last week. I'll be honest with you guys, and I'm sorry if I skipped last week. And this week's episode's coming out very late, and that's because now that we are done with the outage at work, so, you know, I was working a an invasive amount of hours. (laughs) I was working four days off one day, working four days off one day, all 12 hour shifts. So we can power through this outage, get all the work done that we need to get work done. And then finally that ended. And I took a long needed three day break before I went back to work. (laughs) Um, So in that three day break, I just completely decompressed. I did nothing. I just laid around. I tried to regain what little strength I had left. And then rolling back into my normal work schedule, we rolled into our night shifts. So I've been working nights these past few days, and everything has been out of whack. I'm in a new watch station, so basically I'm working a new job at my job. Like, you know, we have different watch stations where you're in charge of different systems and do different things. So it's like working with different systems for the first time and... And not and like not exactly the first time because I've been qual- I'm qualified on these things, but you know being on my own for the first time, and so it, it's just a new thing to kind of get used to. And plus working nights, I haven't worked nights in over a month now, so I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things like Spider Man, and ho- hopefully we get back to a more normal schedule. But it, it's been hectic, and now with the holidays and everything, it's going to be even more hectic. So. Let's just face it, you're not going to get timely episodes probably until next year, but I'm going to do my best. (laughs) So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to talk with me, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, where else am I? Facebook, everything is at Small Town Nerdcast. On Twitter, it's SM Town Nerdcast because they wouldn't let me fit small because it was too big. Ironically enough, everything else is actually spelled out small town nerdcast. So hit me up. Let me know if there's any comic book stories that you enjoy and you want me to check out. I'll see what I can do and try to read everything that I can. Uh, But like I said, next week we're going to try to find a Hulk storyline that I am a huge fan of and talk about it. And then after that, we're going to get back into Spider-Man because I've really been enjoying this run. And We'll see if we can finish things up. I don't know how long uh, Nick Spencer's run of Spider-Man really is, even though I could probably look it up right now. But we'll figure it out, and we'll get through it, and we'll figure out uh, what comic book to go from there. But, you know, with your prodding and suggestion, maybe you will be the deciding factor in what comic book we uh, take a review at 
after we finish up this run of Spider-Man. So thank you guys so much for this week, and we will see you all next. Oh, also don't forget, I do Twitch games. Uh, Here recently I was doing Breath of the Wild, but today is the 17th, which means tomorrow Pokemon Scarlet and Violet go live. Um, I tried to do it with Pokemon Arceus to stream the entire game, and that started very poorly and ended very quickly because I was just so enamored with the game that I kept wanting to play it no matter where I went. Hopefully, I can resist the temptation with the new Pokemon game, and I decided to go with Pokemon Violet over Scarlet. So um, if you got Scarlet, maybe this will be good to see a different version of the game. I'm going to try to only play it while I'm streaming, so that way we can share this experience together. We will see how that works out, because it typically never does. Um, But I'm excited for that. So the 18th is when that game goes live. I've had it pre-ordered. I've had it downloaded. I've just been waiting for the date lock to release so I can start playing it. I guess I can play it at midnight tonight, but I'll be at work in... Am I really going to bring my Nintendo Switch to work? Probably not. But, um, so that's something I, I'm excited for. And uh, everything, uh, twitch.tv slash podcast. That's B-R-Y-F-Y podcast because I couldn't get it to switch over to Small Town Nerd. I'm going to try. I'm going to see what I can do. But anywho, I digress. I'm getting way off topic and I'm going way too long. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. And we will see you all next week. Later. Later.